0: Hello, Annie Trenders! Welcome to The Girl Taku, hosted by the Ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by.
1: Hello, I am Isabel,
2: and. This is Agnes!
0: So, without further ado, The Girl Taku today will be about our favorite magical systems. This is going to be a very fun topic and I don't think really needs much introduction. You know, anime likes to have magical systems in their fantasy anime and sometimes they're really great. So with that being said, the baton goes to Isabel first this time. So Isabel, take it away. What are some of your favorite magical systems that you've seen in anime?
1: Yeah, one of my favorite magical systems that I've seen in anime is uh, from a certain magical index
2: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you're one of those watchers. All right, all
1: yeah. right. Uh, Well, disclaimer, I haven't watched all of the series just because it's there's so many seasons of it and I've only I've only done a couple of episodes here and there and specifically I've done the first season altogether, but I think the concepts at least behind the series is is very based in magic but also science. And in terms of a magical system, it's not very straightforward like a power system. In Index, but the fact that its magic is just pure kind of like chaos, um, in the series itself, I think it's uh, it's if you think about it, it's a lot like maybe like the Marvel universe where each character has their own type of power, and that's kind of how the characters in Index also have that. So that always interested that it, at first when I watched the show I thought it would be kind of like your typical high schooler. Type and grounded in some type of magic. And then not only that, like the series is mostly based in Academy City, which you think that, you know, um, the characters would go to school, learn this, and then, you know, step up like I'll be a level one mage or something like that. Um, But instead, it's kind of all these mages coming from other parts of the world, kind of converging in the city and just pretty much doing whatever they want to try to get, you know, push their agenda forward. And it's just the fact that there's people who are mages and they're and they're also kind of like religious based as well, um, and then there's people who are based in science. So their abilities come from science. So I feel like those two worlds just converging and in index just makes it that in, that much interesting. Um, but I don't have either of you tried the series out or heard of it at all.
0: I've definitely heard of it, but I have not watched the series. What about you, Agnes?
2: I tried watching the first couple episodes when I started out, but I ended up falling out the wayside because I think I was a little bit uninterested in the initial premise of season one, but I know I've seen multiple clips from Railgun, mm-hmm. which I thought Railgun was, I think, more unique in the storyline rather than the the first season of the Magical Index.
1: Yeah, I think Railgun and Accelerator are definitely more interesting, especially since they're, the characters are more interesting. I think in yeah. Index, the characters are not as interesting especially the main right. character.
2: Yeah, cuz like the main character, he's like he he has a he's not he doesn't have a generic power, but he himself has a kind of generic personality, which is why I wasn't clicking mm-hmm. with the series from the init- from the get-go, but I definitely like seeing uh clips of the side characters like Misaki and also Accelerator too.
0: I'm actually shocked because I thought Misaki is the main character cuz I know a lot no, of people No, she's like not. Her. <laughs> she's
2: mm-hmm. she is Like I think the second, like female lead, yeah. Because the first female lead in Index is Index herself, right? Wait,
0: she's not even the first female lead.
2: (laughs) No, No, she's more like the second. She has like a a love interest with the main protagonist, the black-haired dude. Uh But the main female lead in Index, at least the main series, is the nun character, the girl with the white habit.
0: That is life shattering information because oh my every section of the series <laughs> is so
2: is... wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the reason why they have a railgun is because Misaki herself is actually really powerful and so she has like her whole like own side spin-off series that has like what, I think like three seasons. Yeah, three for seasons. Yeah. just
1: a spin-off about her and her story. So
2: Yeah, and then Accelerator is not even the main antagonist too. Mm-hmm. So he has his own spin-off story too, so that's the really interesting part this about um, Ingex. This is really
0: insane! Like, I was at first surprised when you said, you know, you weren't really interested in the main character and stuff, and I was like, oh, I've seen Misaki actually get praised for being like a well-written female character, until you said he, and I was like, he? What <laughs> <And> so- <laughs>
2: Yeah, sorry to break your burst your bubble, Gracie, but they aren't the main characters.
0: This must be how people felt when the, they keep seeing clips of Levi from Attack on Titan, and then they actually check out Attack on Titan. They're like, wait, Levi's not the main
2: character. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, especially in the first like two three seasons. I was the first three seasons with Aaron being the main protagonist is a bit of a, a slog to get through. Yeah, so I was like, this is this is the feeling I have now felt it. <laughs> so.
0: Okay, so I guess, did you watch any of the Accelerator ones then, since the clips have caught your interest? Uh.
2: I didn't have time to actually watch Accelerator. I just watched the clips, and then I got derailed with a lot of other stuff, so I didn't have time to actually sit down and properly watch anything. Because then, even then, I thought to myself, if I like the side series so much, I need to watch the original series first to get the full context behind it. Ah. Because mm-hmm. Accelerator doesn't pop out of nowhere because he's Accelerator, but he does have... A significant impact on the main character's story in the main index, and then Misaki is introduced actually in episode one of Index, and you'll understand why she's like kind of like the second female lead and the rival to the protagonist based on Index. You can't kind of you can't just hop into Railgun and just watch it without any context like that.
0: I see, I see. Did you watch all those side uh, seasons and stuff, Isabel?
1: No, I haven't just because I feel like just kind of like Angoness, like I need to like sit myself down and (laughs) watch everything. Like I know it's like a deep dive, which I'm like, I I know I'll get into that, but I just didn't, I just don't have the time for it. So I just kind of like, it's there and I'll finish it someday type of thing. And I know it's good. And I know people who have, um, you know, really watched the series, really loved it as well. Um, I know the Index series itself is kind of it depends. It's like something it feels sometimes for some people kind of like a slog to get through um, because there's a lot of slice of life, surprisingly, in the show. Oh, Yeah. So mm-hmm. there are like a lot of moments where they'll just be like hanging out or things like that. Um, and then so there's like so the pacing is a little bit slower than I anticipated, um, especially in introducing some of the characters. Some of the characters just pop out of nowhere, you know, to just come to Toma's like front door and things like that. Um, yeah,
2: literally. Mm hmm.
1: And then each arc is, like, contained in itself. Um, in terms, of, as, for, as for the magic, kind of, like, getting back into that, I think one of the things that was interesting was kind of how the mages kind of, like, have their, like, real name, but then they also have, like, a magic name that they use. Oh! So, like, they name themselves with that It's kind of, like, their purpose uh, in, you know, being a mage, and they're trying to um, pursue their desires and things like that. Um, based off the name and they like try to like never give their real name. So you can tell that these characters really believe in what they want to do and what they want to move forward with that. And I th- and then what was interesting was that there's also, I think in the earlier episodes, like maybe episode seven or eight, in the first series, they kind of go over alchemy as well, which I didn't think would be included. And then like vampires, if I feels like it feels like our real world with all these concepts all together at like all at the same time um so yeah just seeing the alchemist who was the villain in that arc just kind of come up with things and even chop off our main character's arm i was like whoa this just went from like zero to 100 really quickly um but yeah overall tomo though he's like a he's he's kind of like dazai in a sense (laughs) where he his power is that his right hand can negate all mat all magic and that's his only power. So, like, you see a lot of these arcs where he, where he's in, he just kind of, like, put, punches his way through in the end because that's, it's not really a power because, you know, he's, he just exists and then he kind of uses his arm to, like, stop everything. But I don't know. It's just kind of funny. I'm, I'm always watching him and I'm like, so how is he going to use his arm to stop this person who's, like, shooting all these beams or things like that at him? And he makes it work somehow. Which is kind of funny to me, but I think he grows throughout the series, so I haven't seen toward the end. I think uh, they say that the light novels are better as well, so I don't know. Uh, maybe he develops some other powers, or he just grows as a character. But otherwise, I don't hate him as a character. I just wish that uh, he would do more. Um, and then, but yeah, everyone other than him, I think is is interesting in the series.
0: What's Misaki's power? Since apparently she's best girl, so. <laughs>
1: Her power is, um,
2: it's like electromagnetism. Little, yeah,
1: electro Oh,
2: that's because, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's cool.
1: Controlling electricity, and then it's very cute when she does kind of like the coin flip, and so anything metal, you know, electricity. Um, when that interacts, it's kind of like a physics thing where in where it interacts, she's able to produce a type of force based off of that.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Her strongest ability mm-hmm. is an actual railgun, which is like a phys- a physics like phenomenon and a, a weapon too.
1: Yeah, and which is why the whole series is called Railgun is because she can produce this type of thing. I think it's cool. It's like it's like a gun, and then she uses her, um, just her abilities to do that. So,
0: alrighty, that's really nice. Alright, I I definitely didn't know about. So I've learned a lot about the series now, including who's actually the main character. But I understand why you thought that was really interesting. I definitely perked up when you said like Misaki's power was the electromagnetism. I'm like, oh yeah, I dig that. So, uh, and. So the system—is it really just like the naming, or is it still kind of like self-assigned? I guess. Yeah,
1: I would say it's more self-assigned. Okay. Um, uh, in terms of the mages, they kind of they have kind of like a religious basis, so they may come from like Christianity, or they might have a combination oh, of principles okay. like Buddhist mm. or Shinto. Okay. So, even though they they come from these, um, I guess. Like religious type organizations, they might be evil and they might be good, and it's like they all don't like, especially in terms of the church where Index is from as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's an interesting concept that she's a church herself. Like her clothing is a church. I I was like, this is oh Yeah, uh,
0: yeah.
1: So there's that, and then so a lot of so the so the characters have their own powers that come from them, and then they can also switch or like if some of the churches maybe have different types of uh, divisions and things like that so that's kind of where they base their powers off of at least for the um, magical side of it so that's where it comes from and it's all like i said before kind of individual based based on how they pull off like their runes or magic spells so it's all very individual and it feels very free and open
0: got it no that is really cool all righty so if that is your first pick for your favorite magical system what do you have for your second pick (laughs)
1: Yeah, so my second pick uh, is a shorter one. It'll it, it's Burn the Witch.
0: Oh, you'll yeah. have to describe it. You'll have to describe it because I don't know. So
1: <laughs> Burn the Witch is only three episodes, so it's very easy to get through. But it's basically about magic and dragons. That's basically it. if you think magic, dragons, and like Harry Potter, because it's based in London. It felt it gave me a lot of like Harry Potter vibes when I was watching the I guess OVA episodes type thing. Um, and then the the two main girls, Noel and Nini, they I really like their like cute little magical guns, and uh, they just kind of like shoot powers. It reminds me a lot of Bleach because they name their abilities with like magic with a number depending on the yeah. spell, right? And I wish mm-hmm. they they could have like a system of that. I always want to know, okay, so what's level one? Like I wonder if Kubo is assigning like random numbers. To all the abilities
2: in the Bleach manga, I think there is it's more codified. There's a lot more numbers that are in there, but the anime doesn't show all of them because I think it's implied that a lot of the captains in Bleach are capable of using multiple levels of Kido. Uh, I think like most captains know anywhere up from like the first number of of um, Kido all the way into like I think like level. Like 60 or 70. And then, like, the 80s and the 90s are more rare. That's where, like, Aizen um, unlocked his, uh, that keto ability that allows mm-hmm. him to, like, trap stuff and then, like, move in between, like, dimensions. Um, so there's that. So I think in Burn the Witch does share the similar universe to Bleach. I don't know to what extent, but I'm pretty sure there should be, a, he probably has a codified number somewhere in his, his grand scheme of things. Yeah.
1: Probably yeah, it's like the what they're part of is they call it kind of I think it's the West branch of Soul Society.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: they're in Europe. No, that's not the West. Yes, that is the West. They're in Europe now. (laughs) (laughs) What (laughs) happened? I I, my my north and south and east and west are like all all jumbled up. Okay. So it's probably in the same universe then, correct? Like Yes. Okay.
2: Although the thing is, is that both Nini and Noel they're not, there's not soul reapers. Yeah. Because soul reapers are technically people who have been deceased. So they passed away, they become souls, mm-hmm. and then they kind of become reincarnated. They get, they basically gather as much ryatsu or mana in that sense, and they become more sentient beings and that can actually use like powers and weapons and fight. Noelle and Nini, from what I understand, they're human. And so how are
0: they able to be the branch of Soul Society if they're not Soul Reapers?
2: That's the, that's the weird like conundrum that everyone has mm-hmm. because Taikubo okay. says that Burn the Witch is in the same universe as the Soul Society. But Noelle and Nini, they actually attend an academy that teaches them these things and they're human. I'm assuming that Noelle and Nini are in the same line as the Quincy's who are human but they have like magical powers. interesting that's my guess but i don't know exactly like what the true connection is between burn the witch and bleach actually most people don't because we don't know anything about burn the witch other than the first three episodes and dragons don't exist in bleach Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure about that (laughs) the dragons don't exist or the scope of bleach is not about dragons but the scope of dragons is a very big topic in burn the witch
0: I, I had, like, this crack theory in my head where I was like, is it because Grim Reapers are seen as, like, scary and bad creatures in the West, and so that's why they're, they're not so Reapers? Because death as an entity in the East is, like... A lot more magnanimous, you know, a lot more neutral versus in the West, they tend to be portrayed mythologically wise in a very scary and like, not heroic way. So I was like, is that the reason why?
2: (laughs) Well, it turns out in the end of Burn the Witch that there are a number of things that are termed as like apocalypses. And huh. apocalypses that happen in their sort of like sphere of influence is actually done by dragons and by awakening them. So, dragons actually oppose the more creepy, the more villainous, the more uh, catastrophic element as compared to in Bleach, it's more so like the Soul Reaper.
0: Interesting. Okay, so I know the name is called Burn the Witch. So, do they ha- use spells? I know they fly on brooms. I've seen it on the poster. So.
1: They're actually flying on, I think, little dragons.
2: Yeah, they fly on little Wait, dragons. Wait, they're they... not brooms? <laughs> no, they're, they're not brooms. They're, they're not little brooms. dragons. They're like tame dragons. So no. there's like multiple entities in Burn the Witch in the three episodes they showed and multiple levels of dragons where some of them are senti- are like kind of like sentient enough that you can use them to fly around. And there are other ones that are a little bit more intelligent that can actually cause havoc, but you can calm them down. And there are other dragons that are like big, bad, scary, do not touch them, eliminate them at all costs kind of thing.
0: Okay. And do they use spells or no?
2: They do. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah the they, they're
2: too. conduit for spells. Like, you know how in Harry Potter, they like wave around like little wands? Yes. Just yes. like do like spelleramas. In Burn the Witch, they fire a little gun. It's like a tiny little gun that is more so like a catalyst to fire off their magics.
0: Huh. It is quite a different system, yeah, from what you guys explained how the powers worked in Bleach, but aside from the numbering, because that is a thing with Bleach. That is definitely (laughs) a thing in
2: Bleach. Kubo...
1: Surprisingly, loves numbers. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Now that I think of, uh, everything's like numbered.
2: He has to. Like, everything is everything. numbered. <laughs> the, the funny must, thing is, like he's not. He must structured. be very organized.
0: Maybe that's why. no. He's not. He's not. <laughs> his stories
2: aren't very organized, but he does love his numbers. Like uh, that one famous captain in Bleach. He has the number like uh six nine on his cheek. Of course, like sixty nine. Everyone's like, ha, is a sex number, mm-hmm. but. Back then, it was more of the. It was kind of cool to see it tattooed on his face because, like, the six and the nine are like reversed of each other, so it gives it gives him like a very tough man impression. It looks really cool. But yeah, numbers was a big thing in Bleach.
0: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do would you watch more of Burn the Wish if there were more? Since I know there were only three episodes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wish there were more. To my knowledge, I think the third episode actually is like kind of like the end of the manga. Like, I wish there was really wow like yeah, it's
2: the end of the one shot. Yeah, yeah,
1: it feels like there's a lot more like that Kubo could have gone with, kind of like the concept behind the dragons and you know the fact that it's other half of Soul Society. Like anyone who has read or watched Bleach, I feel like would be interested. Like, how does this Soul Society in London, you know, tie in with that? Especially yeah, I with, definitely
0: want to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially
1: with, you know witches and mages here. Uh, what happens if these, you know, what happens if Noel and Nini met Ichigo?
0: That would be cool. That would be wild, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, unfortunately, we don't really have, uh, you know, continuation of it, but it would be very interesting if someone picked up on it or Kubo picked it up back again and kind of expanded on that whole universe because I would, would really like to see a lot more like wizards and and just the, like everything in Burn the Witch I felt was very cute and funny so, I really just wanted to see more of that, really, especially with the crazy character designs. I just thought that this this could have been so much more. it could have been like a whole season or something mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for sharing your favorite magical systems. They sound very wonderful. I'm very intrigued by Burn the Witch admittedly because I also like the whole like witch and magic and dragons as you both know <laughs> <laughs> as from poll recently. So, uh so yeah, that's definitely the one that's super appealing to me. So in, th- in that case, uh, we are now passing the baton to Agnes. So it seems like Sh- Isabel didn't poach any of yours. So thank yay. God. I was so
2: afraid. I was like, what is Isabel going to take? Because I know you mentioned one of the series before on a previous episode. So I was like, kind of scared that you would choose it again. But I'm really glad that we chose different ones. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So what do you got for us? So the first one that I want to talk about is uh, a series that Isabel did highlight already in this show, in this podcast, would be uh, Maggie the uh, the Labyrinth. Ah, okay. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this show was because I think it has a pretty unique magical system. And I did actually read the manga past the anime's uh, ending. And so there's a lot to unpack after in the, in the manga that really kind of like blew my mind apart about how intricate this whole magic system is so in the beginning part of Maggie, you meet the fact that there are these towers that pop up across the world they're called dungeons um they're basically areas where you can go in you can fight monsters and if you complete the dungeon or you clear it or you completely like empty it out you become kind of like the dungeon master and you are awarded something called a metal vessel in the world of Maggie, if you don't like clear the dungeon or you don't become like the you don't claim the dungeon as your own and you don't get access to magic a magic a metal vessel will enable you to get magic depending on which metal vessel you get in each dungeon will determine what kind of magic power that you have and so it turns out later in the series that each of the magic vessels that you uncover in these dungeons so for instance the blonde dude in um in Maggie, Alibaba has the ability to wield fire from his little metal vessel of a knife. Um, he there are other people who have abilities of wind, lightning, water, and it turns out that there's a codified magic system in the entire universe. There is a an academy that actually studies magic. And these metal vessels and informs them that there are multiple different elements of magic and that there are different ways to even combine the magics together to produce different forms of it. So similar to how like in Avatar The Last Airbender, you have the basic four elements like fire, wind, earth and water, right? Mm-hmm. right. But, if yeah. you com- but for instance, like earth, you can do metal bending. Right, mm-hmm. and then in yeah. fire, you can have either like lightning or you can do uh, magma. In oh, Maggie- no, that's actually
0: Earth, still. Earth oh, is oh, sorry. Earth uh, is yeah. magma,
2: that's right. Earth is a combination between fire and magma, that's right. But in Maggie, you can actually combine different spells together to create a different effect. So, in one of the battle scenes, uh, Aladdin, who is the main character, he's this blue, small kid he's basically a kid and he's going against one of the top tier magicians in the academy he combines using fire and water to create steam in order to for him to evade his opponent who is much more agile at using magic and so i thought that was like a really cool kind of way that they explain the whole world as You know, this magic system that you can either harness magic in its true form and learn kind of like the basics of all the elements and combine different spells together to create something else. Or you can harness the power of the metal vessels, which already have latent magical abilities inside. And that was really interesting for me for a long time. And then afterwards, when I started reading the manga, it goes even deeper than that and explains where the metal vessels came from, where the dungeons came from, and why these why you're able to do all of like these really unique combinations of magic as well and so i although the story of magi did not resolve as cleanly because it is a shonen manga its magic system was very interesting to look into and really be wowed at the possibilities that they could pull out in every chapter
0: you know what you're saying is it kind of reminds me of this really like basic flash game that we would have played back in like elementary school. It's called Alchemy and you start off with the whole fire, water, wind, air, and then, uh, sorry, fire, uh, water, earth, and air. And then you just had to like find combination of things until you created modern earth. Do any of you guys remember that game or was it like a thing that was before your time, I guess, because I was in elementary school when I was playing that game.
2: (laughs) I did not play that game at all. I don't know of it by its name either. What about you, Isabel?
1: Yeah, I have not
2: heard of that one either. Okay, so that's...
0: Oh, oh no, my age!
2: (laughs) You're not that much older than us. You're fine. I I know, but, like,
0: I I, I know... I realized, I was like, if I was in elementary school, you guys probably would not have been able to play games on the computer yet in that case. But it was a really, really old Flash game, and that's what it reminded me of when you were describing how if you had to comply... When you combine water and the wind, then it becomes steam and then you use the steam to escape. I'm like, that's, it was giving me all kinds of flashbacks in regards to that. So uh, yeah, it definitely sounds interesting and really fun in that regard. Uh, Isabel, out of curiosity, you know, like, what did you think of the system since, you know, you've watched it before?
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was Maggie. Maggie was definitely one of the choices uh, for me, too but I think I forgot most of it, which is why I didn't choose it. And then also,
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I didn't go that deep into it. Otherwise, other like all I can remember was kind of like the rook or the butterflies that each yeah, monkey yeah, yeah, has, yeah. and I thought that was cool.
2: What did the butterflies yeah. do? So the rook is basically the manifestation of magic in its physical form. Like, if you oh. didn't make it into, like, a spell, or if you didn't channel mm-hmm. it, like, into your metal vessel, that's how magic would manifest itself in a physical form. It would, like, fly around you, and in the world of Magi, there are similar to how you have in the biblical stories, you have three magi, right? Mm-hmm. There, and each of these magi have a deep, intrinsic connection with the rook that Kind of populate around this world, and they don't. They actually can cast magic much easier with the aid of the rook because the rook is like attracted to them. It's like it, it's drawn to them, and so they're able to cast stuff without you know real proper training. They're just natural talented at that. Um, and so usually they say in Maggie that the way to tell somebody who a magus is is to see where the rook flies, and in Aladdin's case. All the rook appear as like golden butterflies. they all flock to him and there's two of the magi that the magi that exist in the world that also have are capable of the same phenomenon.
0: Interesting. okay. That, that is really interesting. And the butterflies, is it just in his perspective? Like do people see something else or
2: Oh people will see it. People okay. will see it. Yeah. Um, it just so happens that the rook very specifically hones in on a magi when when they're like close.
0: Interesting. Alrighty. Also, you kind of gave me an epiphany, not that it was uh, on purpose, but you said how the three magi is similar to biblical things of, like, you know, the three kings and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, wait, is that why we have a fascination with the number three? (laughs) Yes, that is why.
2: Uh, Three is a very weirdly mystical number um, in both biblical terms and in other societies as well. Pairs is in, like, twos and fours is less so.
0: It's so interesting because I do know that it has been psychologically proven that our brain relaxes at the number three like seeing three things somehow makes uh the brain just relax and feel like everything's on balance but they don't know why yet so it is just so interesting how all that is connected and you know a single number can be so impactful <laughs> in that case
2: Personally, so. I think it's because we understand intrinsically the the idea of pairs so like two pair like a pair of hands or like a pair of feet is like balanced and so you have also like good and evil is balanced in like twos but having a third kind of being like a gray like counterpoint to all of it if like the scale tips is kind of nice so then that's why we intrinsically like the number three more than the number two
0: mm. yeah that's no. my
2: that's my explanation i think behind that psychology
0: yeah no that definitely makes sense i was thinking of how you know, we all kind of like to have a beginning, middle, and end. So I was like, that's oh, another way. Oh, that's a good way. point,
2: too. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, That's always split into like three arcs, right?
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. But anyway, I digress. Sorry about that. Um, so that is definitely a really fascinating magical system for your first pick. Uh, what is your second pick?
2: <laughs> uh, my second pick would actually be the Ancient Magus Bride for its magical system. Okay. Um, And I wanted to talk about Ancient Magus Bride because it's a very fluid... They all belong to the same magical system, but they have different ways of interpreting that magical system. Um, and it boils down to how well you can control magic in the first place in Ancient Magus Bride. The definition of how they kind of like split up into like these separate factions or groups is a little bit confusing in the first couple episodes or chapters, but then after you read more into the Ancient Magus Bride, watch more of Ancient Magus Bride, and even read into the College arc. it kind of makes more sense afterwards. So in the Ancient Magus Bride, there are kind of like three groups that are capable of using magic. You have, of course, magical beings. So you have like Titania, the actual fairy queen of Great Britain, and a lot of other magical entities like like, uh, centaurs, kelpies, stuff like that. Those are actual magical beings that are born into existence and can use magic for whatever means that they have and then you have maguses or mages magi, magi uh, magus are beings that have the potential to harness magic but they still have to learn it they don't they aren't naturally born with like this abundance potential to use the magic around them and oftentimes they have to call on the aid of their neighbors neighbors meaning in, t- in the uh ancient magus terms it is like the fae folk, for instance. So sprites, fairies, and having debts and allegiances to certain factions within the community, in the fae community, in order to harness that power. Because these magical beings have an abundance of magical power that they can use whenever they want. So you sometimes you have to ask for a helping hand if you want to like foster a magic spell or a phenomenon to come out into being. And oftentimes a lot of the maguses are taught by other maguses so it is it is not hereditary it is something that is passed on through tradition and through teaching methods however a lot of maguses at the end of their lives when they've reached like their full potential often become very distorted and twisted Um, they almost become very similar to magical beings because they kind of lose like their corporal body and stuff but they're still maguses they're still recognized as maguses instead of magical beings and then the last class that you have are called wizards or alchemists depending on the localization that your country uses for the series wizards are humans but humans that want to understand and wield magic on its own and it's explained in ancient magus bride that wizards have to write down formulas they have to write down laws that kind of break into the magic system the or like the mana the ambit mana that Governs all of like the Fey folk and the mythical folk, and the um, the maguses, but tweak it so that the human brain can understand it, and use magic as well. One of the more popular uh, conceptions that came out of the anime and the manga at this point is the creation of a homunculus. Both mythical beings and um, maguses don't use homunculi; They have familiars, right? So those are like actual living beings. But for the wizard's case, they can't be contracted with mythical beings because first of all, they can't even see them. Humans cannot naturally see the mythical beings and mages. So instead of, you know, summoning the help of familiars, they, c- they construct their own version of the familiar by weaving certain laws that tweak the magic in order to bring to life an actual familiar. Uh, one of the concepts would have been for the homunculi would be a um, a crow that would be used to kind of like fly around and deliver messages. And of course, in the last category that you have that is kind of like the weird outlier of all of it is the slay vega, which is the class that Chisei, our main character, belongs to. In which you know what's funny human. is
0: I was what? just about to ask you which yes. group Chisei belongs is, to.
2: <laughs> the Slave Vega in The Ancient Magus' Bride is the outlier because it is a very rare condition where it is a human being that has the abundance of magic power that a mythical creature has. But because they're human and that they're like in a human corporal body slash vessel, they can't control the magic. And so the, like the, 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 man, the mana like, pours out of their body and continuously attracts other mythical creatures to them, but also corrupts their human body as well. So oftentimes, slave Vegas dive very early on, which is why say when she is acquired by Elias through the slave market edition, she's considered very rare because it's very rare to have any slave Vegas left in the world. So that's why I wanted to point out Ancient Magus Pride was that this is really cool distinction of all these different classes. And they'll go a lot more in depth into that in the college arc where Chisei, who is traditionally taught by a magus, has to learn how wizardry works in the terms of, you know, weaving together words, laws and theories.
0: I have a quick question and it is Chisei's dad. Is, was he a wizard then in that
2: case? No, both of her parents were actually Vegas. Both of oh. them? Okay. Yeah, so she is like ultra, ultra rare. But the details about her parents even in the manga right now is a bit fuzzy. Mm-hmm. We know more about her mom where she tried to kill Chisei at a right, very young age. Right. right? Yes. But the details of her father taking her brother away and fleeing from them is very unknown still. We still don't know the full details why he ran away, why he decided to stick with her mom even though her mom was also a slave Vega as well. So it's very interesting to see um, and I hope they talk more about that after they finish the college art.
0: Oh, I have no doubt that he's actually alive somewhere and obviously with the way the story showed like an omnipresent view at one point, it, pr- it showed that something was happening and you're right, like it seemed like he fled rather than straight up like you know have decided to yeah, abandon them like, for it, no good reason so
2: right because it felt very odd reading that even when i was reading it i was like something's missing because he fled with her younger brother but to chise in her mother's eyes he abandoned them
0: right right so exactly. everyone's
2: kind of like where's the connection in this and does she chise- is chise's brother considered a slave vega too so there's that too
0: yeah okay because you know what i was thinking is i was like huh like I would have guessed that her dad was a wizard. But then you said like wizards can't actually see the magical beings. And I was like, no, no, no. He definitely saw the magical beings. So so I didn't realize that he was also one of those as well. So that makes a lot of sense in that case. It's weird because actually the magic system was one of the things that confused me when I was watching the anime. Like for some reason, I just never really caught on. I guess in my head, I was just like, Okay, there are people with magic, and then there's magical beings, and that's how I divided it up. But now that you actually like laid it out for me, it becomes a lot more clear, and a lot of the things that happen in the show also <laughs> becomes
2: more clear so- right so there's a there's one instance that I think is more striking that would make a lot more sense is the the centaur, the one that delivers mail
0: right, right, right. Yes. at so-
2: one point, he is introduced to um. The apprentice, the blonde haired apprentice who tried to kidnap Chisei. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she can't see him because she's trained to be a wizard. And so instead, he's like standing right next to Chise, and she's having a face to face conversation with this friend of hers who's the, the former apprentice who kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, she can't see me, can she? And he decides that he will kind of break that barrier between like the wizards and his, his magical form by kind of drawing in the dirt with his hoof he draws like an X in the dirt. Oh. And the apprentice kind of flinches because she's like, what's going on? Why is there like a random X being drawn in the dirt? And that's kind of like how what shatters the um, kind of like the glamour behind the magical beings oh, and the human. Okay. And so there are ways that the magical beings can reveal themselves to wizards mm-hmm. in particular, but because they're kind of like antitheses of each other, mm-hmm. the mythical beings and even the magazines themselves kind of instinctively put up glamour to protect themselves from wizards. Mm. got
0: it okay
2: a lot of this information is missed out in the anime because there's a lot of ovas and stuff that comes out but they did skim over quite a bit and i actually had to reread the manga several times when i first started out to really like understand what this magical system is and then when you figure it out you're like oh this is a very like uh, nuanced magical system it's not fun and explosive it's not Like regimented with like numbers and stuff, but it's very nuanced in the way that they interpret magic. I
0: think maybe perhaps like the ancient Magus Bride, they try to tell it to us visually, you know, without like being so on the nose about it. But I think when I was watching it, I probably could have then help with just a little more direct like you know tell it to the reader tell it to the watcher explanation just a little more you don't have to give me too much you know I don't want exposition galore and then I think I probably would have been able to catch on but thank you for that because now I understand so
2: (laughs) (laughs) this is what happens when you read too much ancient magus bride growing up and was it involved in my own, like, discourse of, like, writing out essays, explaining stuff. about <laughs> But I kept those, obviously, to myself because I was too shy. and didn't want to, like, expose myself on the internet. But, yeah, I definitely wrote quite a bit about Ancient Magus Bride and trying to explain the events that went on in the series.
0: Well, you will have to share it with us then. <laughs> Alrighty, so, uh, did- was there anything else? Or are you ready to pass the baton?
2: <laughs> I'm ready to pass the baton.
0: Alright, so now it is on, or in my hand. So the first uh, magical power system that I would like to talk about is relatively new, but it is the Executioner and Her Way of Life. I wrote a review about it, so I know you guys have, like, a slight understanding of it, since I know both of you guys <laughs> review, like edited the article, per se. But it is one of the many, many, many isekai that came, comes out of our anime season. However, this isekai has really stood out in its world building and its plot. And I talk about this in my review if you guys remember, but this is a very rare circumstance where the plot was just infinitely better than the characters. I didn't care a single bit about the characters, but I was sticking around because I wanted to know what happened and I was so enamored with the world and specifically by their power system. So unsurprisingly, The person that gets isekai gets, you know, special powers and uh, essentially they all have their own power system. Nothing new there. But the power system that is unique is the fact that they work in different, the way they work in different levels is that when you have a power, you're assigned a core word. And if you are, like, on level one, which is, like, the most, like, closest to the core word, you basically can do anything imaginable as long as, 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 long as it's related to the world, uh, word. So, for example, and a problem that comes from that is the fact that the characters who always get isekai'd into this fantasy world They are always level one closest to the core word, AKA they have like powers that can destroy the entire world with a snap of their fingers. And you understand why. So for example, one of the characters core word is chaos. So her powers is essentially anything that she could imagine that is somehow related to chaos because the girl, because the Asekai character is a little girl. So her powers manifest in like these horror movie characters because, you know, she's a little girl. And when she hears the word chaos and, um, and you know, that word, that's what she associates that word for. And that's how her powers manifest. And it's like, and I just thought that was such a brilliant way to describe, but also give a root as to like how their powers work. Another character that you wouldn't think would be a powerful word, but her power was white. And so it's a color. And you're kind of like, well, what can one do with the color? But white, as we know, tends to, tends to be related to blankness. And let's not forget uh, a new start. And in a lot of Eastern uh, culture, white was a color that was very associated with death. And so... The girl who had the color white as her core word and thus her powers, she had no idea and no control of her powers and she wiped out just this entire city into nothing. Because for her, the color white is the meaning of refreshing and starting over and starting over from nothing. So just killed an entire town by accident when she activated her powers. And I was just like, oh, that is so, so good. One of the main characters, her uh, her core word is time. So that's not surprising. She has a lot of time control power, um, whether it's time traveling, reversing death, um, even temporarily, like, um, you know, not temporarily, even like sp- choosing a specific thing to forward time on and keeping others stay the same and stuff like that. So that was not as surprising per se, but it was just the idea that this single word can cause so much destruction because as long as that word has an association with the type of power, you are capable of doing it. And which is why in the world, the there's like a whole cult of people whose like entire purpose was to kill anyone who gets isekai'd into that world because they're like, if they, like that girl who accidentally activated her white powers and just destroyed an entire city because it was starting anew, just like that. Like these people, if they can't control their powers, they can literally destroy the world because of their association of a a specific activity or theme with the particular word of the power that has rooted deep inside them. And so I just really love that concept and I thought it just brought some explanation and flavor to an otherwise uh, uh, isekai world where once again they just magically have magical powers and that was it and is somehow related to bloodlines or something like that or luck and coincidence for all that matters. So that was my first pick for The Executioner and her way of life. I know you two have not seen that show so I guess, like, my question is, what do you guys think about that system?
2: <laughs> I think it's very creative, the fact that it's based on words. And, like, you know how in traditional magic, especially, like, tabletop magic, you have a, a seri- you have different types of magics that you can use, and one of them is, like, a vocal incantation or, like, contains, like, a, a, a word, which I think is really interesting that they kind of use that same concept in the execution and the way of life and really base that entire magical system around that but those are just my general thoughts because like there are so many words in the the dictionary that you can think of Uh that you can basically use as synonymous or relating to the word in order to like execute a power and that kind of brings the a nice flavor text outside of the traditional like four or like six elements that we typically see in a fantasy
0: yes exactly and so that's why i like to mention white because When I first heard like, you know, the word that got assigned to her was white. I was just like, what can she do with a color? You know, like what powers can that even result? And then it was like, because white is associated with starting anew so she started anew an entire city what does that mean she literally wiped out an entire city by doing that and I was just like oh oh this is bad
2: yeah. <laughs> so- now now I'm thinking about all the colors in the rainbow and what you can do with that and right. my first instinct was like Lama what can you do with the color green you just heal stuff right like you know grow oh. rejuvenate and then I was sitting here and I'm like wait but green is also the color of acid and poison oh, oh you're <laughs> that's right. are yeah. concern. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly another one that's like a mysterious power is bleach and I was like I, I don't even know what that one can
2: do <laughs> so- wait bleach is an actual like magic term
0: in it- the executioner it's a word so someone has the magic power of bleach and so this the whole person who has the magic power of of the word of the core word bleach we don't really know who they are and what their purpose was in that story but was it bleach or was it salt? I, it might have been salt actually.
2: But ble- salt sounds more like it instead of bleach because I'm just thinking I'm, I just have the bleach now theme songs playing in my head. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And I'm just no, like, it's it's how probably does bleach- salt. Yeah, because I was like, how does bleach differentiate from white then? Yeah, because they're a good essentially question. the two. They're essentially two core words, especially if you think about like what bleach actually does as a chemical reagent right it mm-hmm. unstains something it makes it white literally white mm-hmm. um and so that is closer to the core word of white that the other character has
0: yeah so i think it might have been salt but that that salt thing has been a mystery right now because all we knew was there wasn't a eyed person with the power of salt and their their history regarding it is lost no one knows like what happened to that person who has salt as a power. But I'm also like, what do you like, what power do you have with salt? Cause clearly it was huge. Like it was the way that the world was set up was, it was a huge power that that person had with salt. And I'm just like, all I can think about is flavoring my food. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I adore that magic system and I just thought it was so creative. Uh, what do you think of it, Isabel?
1: Yeah, I think it also is very creative. When you talked about salt, I was just thinking, I just played through this arc in Genshin Impact where there's, like, a salt character. Oh, so interesting. So what they do is they they basically made humans, like, they cover the humans in salt, basically turned them into, like, salt statues. Oh, that's, and, that's scary, actually. Yeah, <laughs> annihilated the place. So if you're thinking destruction, I think salt could be pretty destructive, I guess, if you think of it like that. So... Yeah, that's crazy. So, like, when they're isekai into the world, they're given a word, or is it, it's random, like, they don't know what it is until they actually use it, I guess? Is exactly, that... exactly. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah,
0: which is why it has such devastating results. I keep thinking about that girl who accidentally, like, wiped out that entire city because her power was white, and she didn't even mean to activate her power. Like, somehow she... Accidentally activate her power, which makes sense because she has no idea of this world and how the world works. And that entire city was gone. And one of the main characters mysteriously survived it which you know that also leaves question because she shouldn't have been able to survive that and i just i just remember i that scene stuck sticks in my head so hard because this poor like teenage girl is like wailing and like running over to this little to the main character who survived and was like i don't know what happened i didn't mean to do that oh my gosh They're, like completely panicking and then out of nowhere gets killed because of that cult that is specifically tracking and killing these esecide people and it's, it's such a, mor- it's a morally gray situation because on one hand, I totally get why they killed her. You know, like that is so dangerous to have. And we've already learned that they can't actually send isekai characters back. So it's not like they can just catch the isekai character and be like, let's send them back a Bailey so they don't cause any destruction sort of thing, you know? So it's just like, so they killed her, but then at the same time, you knew she was innocent in the way that she really wasn't trying to kill anyone with her powers or hurt anyone with her powers. So yeah, I I just love it. I love the setup of the magical world and everything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so okay, so that is my first pick. My second pick is going to be an anime that you guys are all familiar with, but I thought about it and I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, I have to talk about it. So my second favorite magical uh, or best magical system is actually Fullmetal Alchemist.
2: I had a feeling someone was going to choose that oh, yes. yeah. in this podcast. Yeah, it, it's a must. It's it's a testament to our. It's it's a thesis to our our podcast.
0: Our thesis are we cry about Shugo Chara and Vampire Night, and we love Full Metal Alchemist.
2: So. That sounds about right. Yeah.
0: Oh, and Bleach characters' eyes are great. So. <laughs> Um, but basically, yeah, so I chose from alchemist and I think that, well, first of all, I know some people are going to be like, is alchemy really magic? And, you know, alchemy was a pre-understanding of what science really is. And in fact, you know, they did get some things right, you know, with the idea that you can't create or create matter. Like you have to, you have to only like use what mass is already there. Like that's an actual scientific thing of alchemy that ended up being very scientifically true. But, there are obviously elements of it that is magical. For example, if you draw a symbol in a certain way, then you can out then you can like manipulate it into something else, whether it is Roy's ability to um, use alchemy, to use oxygen, to create flames, or obviously Edward's ability to do anything as long as he claps his hands together. But I think what I really appreciate about the system is twofold. One with the alchemy. I appreciated that you have to have symbols, like specific symbols for specific things. Because I think if it was just like everyone learns alchemy and it's just like they just need to learn one symbol to uh, activate, you know, turning ground from like solid into mush or, you know, turning oxygen into fire or something like that, then it becomes a little too easy, I think, in regards to how... um, complicated the science that it is based on which is you cannot create matter from nothing uh is and and i also appreciated using that as a way to explain edwards and uh, eventually al's specialness because then you can be like um because at one hand you could be like oh they, you know they're a prodigy they they just have to cop their hands and stuff but no it's the fact that they went through the door of truth where because they automatically understand how the signs and the links work between everything. That's why they don't have to draw like specific symbols to get to it and train specifically in a particular area. Like Roy trains specifically in flame alchemy. I also like that as an explanation as well. And then of course, ultimately, I need to talk about the sins and their powers. In fact, I wrote an entire article about it because of how brilliant I thought it was. And you know, Agnes, I'm sorry you have to like listen through this because I know you edited the article. Uh, but I think their ability to use their powers to explain the sins is just really intelligent. And my favorite one is actually envy because, uh, as you remember, envy can shape shift. And I know some people are going to be like, "What does shape shifting have to do with envy?" But envy, at its core, is being angry at something, uh, somebody having something that ultimately you can't have. And so it's a very, well, if they can't have it, then no one can situation. And shape-shifting is actually perfect for envy because we find out later on that envy, more than anything, really wanted what the humans have. They wanted the hu- um, humanity's persistence and determination to survive no matter what. And of course, the irony being that Envy can shapeshift into humans. They can trick other humans into thinking they're humans, but Envy will never be able to be human simply because he has that power. And I'm like, that is the perfect embodiment of envy of wanting something that being angry and hateful about something because about another person or another thing, because they have something you just can't have. And so I loved it so much. And that level of detail applies to all the sins. And it, it confounds me endlessly because of how brilliant it is. That's why I wrote an analytical article about it. And um, and that's what, also why I love the magical system in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhoods or Fullmetal Alchemist so much. So that is my spiel of my second favorite magical system. And I know you two said like you were expecting someone to pick it up. So, you know, uh, what did you guys think of it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I always thought Fullmetal Alchemist was... The best in terms of explaining alchemy and not only that there's a type of system and order to it like you said especially with the transmutation circles and things certain things have to be met so even though they call it alchemy it really feels like magic because there's the circles that are very similar to the runes and magic circles as well and i just like that whole concept of, of being able to like have something decomposed, but you have to recompose it so and then that being the basis for everyone, and then not only that, everyone has a different way of summoning that in a sense, and some people just kind of playing around with that, like going into um trying to transmutate souls into other things or thing and then for these characters to do that, I just feel like they're experimenting with it. It's kind of the same way as you would wonder about how magic works and how everything you know comes to be but yeah i just feel like learning about that and then learning about what what each character can do and how the the two they they fight especially in the battles and how they try to either you know nullify the other thing or just use their powers the way they want to just makes full meta alchemist the best really but yeah what do you think agnes
2: yeah i definitely think it's a lot more magic than uh than science because if if let's be real if science could protect us from like a hail of bullets like how roy's power is like a flaming wall of fire or like some alchemist is like a a block of ice is like a shield wall then i don't know that's that's not science that's magic at that point right Mm -hmm. um and i think one of the things that's really interesting is because we talk about how in alchemy, in Full Metal Alchemist, they talk about you have to have a balance of things, you have to have certain ingredients with the right ratio. But that is science. But a lot of these characters that have either transcended through the gate of truth, they no longer need these items to create the item to create what they need. They can just like clap their hands, slam it to the ground, and poof, you have what your item needs. You don't even need to draw a circle. And then you also have other people like Roy, for instance, who is an accomplished alchemist, but At the time of the start of Fullmetal Alchemist, he no longer needs ingredients either. He just ignites fire with the gloves that he has, and all he just needs to do is draw the symbol on his hand, even if he doesn't have the gloves. So it's definitely very magical to me, rather than science-based, as opposed to, like, let's say Index, where Index, there is a mismatch between science and magic.
0: And what did you think of it, though, like, with the system and stuff?
2: (laughs) I thought the system was very clever because it has a lot of science, like actual alchemy roots from, you know, when the uh, the, the Europeans tried to study alchemy as kind of like an alternative during the medieval period. Right, yeah. <laughs> especially with the whole like philosopher's stone. That is a very big part about alchemy during the Middle Ages and kind of like trying to understand what the world was like by constructing like formulas um and theories and things like that to really harness what science would suppo- would supposedly be like during that time rather than the actual science that we know now. But obviously, you know, people in the Middle Ages never really could conjure alchemy as magic. And so seeing that Infulmina Alchemist kind of like feeds into the uh the fantasy of like, wow, alchemy is magic, you know? <laughs>
0: I see what you're saying. And what did you yeah. guys think of the sins and their powers? I guess since that's the one that's always enamored me the most.
2: <laughs> For me personally, I like I still like Greed's power of the sins. Uh not yeah, greed's power because he can turn himself into carbon, right? And in carbon, because like, you know, myself and STEM and then also Isabel, carbon can take itself in many forms. It can be diamond, which is the hardest form, the hardest, like uh chemical structure that we know of today, but it can also be the most soft and brutal structure as, like, you know, dust particles or, like, carbon that you find on a pencil tip, you mm, know? Yeah. So... That being combined with the fact that he is a sin and he uses alchemy is almost kind of like magical in a sense that he can change his form to be the hardest armor or the, even the softest of bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like really interesting. And it really leads into like his whole interaction all the way up until the end of Fullmetal Alchemist. So great storytelling overall with the addition of a magical system within the character. Yeah, for me,
1: I guess lust.
2: You like is, lust? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's boobalicious! I I understand that.
1: She's just so out there, really, and I know she doesn't do anything too crazy, but the fact that she can kind of like transform form her body Mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of like shapeshifting type of thing. Um, but yeah, her ability to just she's so cold too, so that's why I was
2: yeah, she is. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I liked
1: her as a character, and um...
2: did you guys
0: catch on to the innuendo as well that her power is the greatest spear and she's lust.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's a big, it's a big libido. Yep,
0: yep, yep exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, as. We've all said at this point by now, it is, uh, Flumin Alchemist is literally one of the best stories out there. So everyone, please watch it if you haven't. (laughs) Um, But that is my pick for the second magical uh, system. So, uh, with that being said, I think it is time to wrap up our episode. So, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed us explain and talk about our favorite magical systems. Share with us your favorite magical systems you've seen in anime. And next week, we'll be back with another fun topic. So, I hope you'll still be here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. bye.